So thank you very much for joining us at the latest podcast in our Tech UK series. Um, I'm delighted that we will be covering the International Trade and the Nations and Regions programme in a little bit more focus today. It's really essential that we talk about international trade and our UK nations and regions together. They play such an important role and the investment that goes into different parts of the UK is exactly what's going to be powering our economy and powering the tech sector in the future. And as many of you will know, Tech UK is the trade association for the tech sector across the United Kingdom, but with a reach across the globe as well. We have nearly a thousand members who are based all across the world, um, many of them with a significant presence in the UK and across the UK's nations and regions too, which is why I'm so delighted we can be doing this podcast today. Turning to our session, I'm really pleased that we can have a look at Oxford's latest report, Doing Business in the UK. And to join me, I've got Winnie. Winnie, hello, how are you? Hi Matt, thank you so much for having me today. Winnie, could you just tell us a little bit more about your role at Hawksford, what Hawksford do, and perhaps a little bit more about this report and why it's important? Of course, sure. So um, my title at Hawksford is Asia Market Lead. Uh, what does that mean is, is essentially I'm doing business development, focusing a lot on attracting Asian investors to invest, bring the FDI into the UK. So Hawksford, we are effectively an international corporate services firm. Our key focus is to help our business, our clients to expand globally. We have presence across 16 jurisdictions um, in the globe. With over 500 people, and we provide our support in terms of administrative work, tax and accounting to all our clients that are venturing into a new market. Thinking about the UK's digitalization efforts as well, and, and the border strategy that's been taken for 2025, there's considerable work internationally being done to innovate the trading processes. So how can your business and the support that you give help UK businesses navigate that and, and become fully digital in their trade approach? Sure, I'll explain a bit more about what we do. So as I said, actually over 70% of our clients are actually international businesses, whether it's UK company that is looking to, for example, venture into Singapore or the other way around. So what we do here is that we actually provide a hand-holding approach in supporting our clients in navigating through a new and unfamiliar market. Uh, we all know that when a business tries to venture into a new space, to new jurisdictions, it always faces a fair share of challenges there. So first of all, um, what we do is that we actually produce a lot of business guides about different jurisdictions. And these are all information that are actually free for all to access. So for instance, we have a Guide Me Singapore website that has lots of information about business who wants to trade or establish a presence in Singapore, how they can go about doing that. And one of the key components is, of course, the compliance. How business, while you're trying to trade with uh, Singapore, how you can be compliant with the market. So these are all the topics that we include. And of course, the guide itself also has lots of information about specific industries, the regulatory regimes, the incentive, the funding, financial as assistance is actually available, as well as how to you know, get certain license or permit 
to trade with a particular jurisdiction. So if a client has decided to, to trade or even to establish their presence in the market, we will handhold the clients through the entire process to make sure that their business administrations and management are smooth running to ensure that they meet all these local requirements, um, starting from you know, the initial state of the setup uh, as well as throughout their whole uh, operations. More importantly, um, because we have such a long-standing presence in all the different markets, which also help us in you know, accumulating a lot of good relationships and network with different stakeholders in a jurisdiction. So this is also where we will actually come in and help to introduce some of this relationship that we have with the clients that we have on board and really help them to succeed in the specific market. And I was really interested there, Willie, what you were saying about that handholding relationship and the complexity of markets. Mm -hmm. Do you find that it's big and small companies that appreciate that approach or does it need a, a slightly different approach for different companies? I would say uh, with a handholding approach, which is uh, obviously what the SME will appreciate the most. Reason being that we can imagine in, in a sort of small or medium enterprise, they probably do not have their own sort of legal counsel. Um, their finance, they may have their in-house finance team, but in terms of knowledge, it's probably quite limited to sort of the jurisdictions where they are currently operating in and not a new one. So the hand-holding approach is usually much appreciated by our clients who come from FME size. Of course, the, for large corporations, um, the, the, the support that they appreciate is slightly different. They may not need sort of as that much of a hand-holding per se. Having said that, when they go into a new market, usually large corporates will have a kind of a decent size of operations in the market as well. And sourcing for talent, whether it's HR person, finance person, person is always challenging. But as a business, they will want to go into sort of doing business as soon as possible. So they tend to look at us as sort of like their outsourcing support where we're actually being able to take all this burden off them and they can focus on going in and straight doing the business and the administrative are taken care by professional services from ourselves. And, and you know I know speaking to so many SMEs anybody that can help relieve that burden for doing business is always welcome and, and, and it's always great Absolutely. to work with companies like that. Um, yeah. You mentioned something there about talent as well, and, and mm -hmm. your report talks about the world-class talent in the UK. But I know looking at Tech UK's tech plan, we talked about the cost towards high potential individual and, and graduate visas. And, and so, you know, that's a significant impact and it can be really difficult for some companies, particularly early stage ventures, to develop the, the technical skills they need to grow their business. So thinking about that, how do business services such as Hawksford support tech companies to navigate what is a really tricky compliance regime, could be costly, HR challenges. What does it look like for you? How do you help in that hiring talent? Yeah, I think you touch upon the very sort of key point for the tech sector when we talk about compliance. As you can imagine, within the sort of like compliance space for the tech sector, it can be really complex. There are lots of elements that a tech business will need to consider, such as data protection, intellectual property protections, and there are also many other sort of industry-specific regulations that they need to make sure that they meet. 
And more importantly, of course, uh, they need to make sure that they can mitigate you know, any risk of facing penalty or legal issues if they are not complied. So having tech companies sort of outsource their finance and administrative functions to us means that we can provide our local expertise to these clients who are not familiar with the jurisdictions. We'll make sure that we handle their tax compliance and reporting, ensure that you know their cash flow and financial stability, um, which is very critical for early stage venture especially. And at the same time, of course, I said before about introducing the relationship that we have with clients as well. So recruitment is really one area. We work very closely with different types of recruitment agencies and other service providers that can actually help our clients when it's come to talent acquisitions in the new market. And we will take care of sort of the payroll management and employment contract for them as well, because again, I think Labor law in each country is so different. When you are venturing into a new market, you might have completely no clue about how things look like. It's just similar to sort of international businesses that come to the UK as well. Often when I speak to them about national insurance contribution, the you know response that I, I have is they will ask me what is that? It's not something that you know I'm familiar with. So I think. In today's world, a lot of uh, businesses choose to outsource all this administrative function because they find that it is sort of more cost effective to do it this way. And they can actually have a slim team that really focus on their core business. And this will help them to save a lot of time as well, which is critical again for early stage ventures. You know, cost is always very important and you really need to wait up like a cost and benefits analysis when you're thinking about setting up a business elsewhere. Absolutely. And you talked a little about recruitment there as well. How mm-hmm. have you seen some of those recruitment challenges change over the last few years at Hawksford? Are people's uh, are the things people are looking for changing or is it still the same as it was pre-COVID? I would say broadly speaking the talent pool today are certainly looking for flexibility is want in terms of the culture and the style of how an office or a business work. Secondly is also a diversity. Diversity in a way where talent pools are looking for the opportunity to have the, 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 the chance to experience different types of work within an organization. And this is one of the strengths that I would say we have at Hawksford because we have offices across 16 jurisdictions. Our HR will actually accommodate the request, for example, a talent in our own organizations is keen to work in another market. We will try to see how we can make that happen for that talent. We also have talent where they you know, used to start as an accountant and probably after six, seven years as an accountant, they came back and said to us, okay, now we, I would really like to learn about compliance work. I'd like to be a compliance officer within Hawksford. And we will actually try our best to also make that happen for the talent so that they can actually, you know, have this experience that they want to have. Yeah, so flexibility and diversity, I think, is very key for all businesses to offer to the talent pool out there. And I think that's a really great lesson for businesses across the UK when they're thinking about how they portray themselves internationally as well. Thinking about that, that culture and how you present yourself is so important. But understanding how that will be interpreted by companies 
in an international market as well when you're working with them. I think a completely underrated piece of work. Are you finding that that's a challenge for companies? For tech companies that we work with, I think on talent front, what they find challenging is actually to achieve the diversity in terms of genders. And I understood from a lot of tech companies that this particular element is actually key for them. Because when they want to go out there and pitch to investors, this is what the investors will look into. I guess for certain sort of tech company where they actually have to work around the clock and have their staff in two or three shifts, they tend to tell me that it's often more challenging to recruit female talent (laughs) because Female talent may not be that keen to sort of work on the night shift due to, you know, many, many reasons, right, being a mom and all that. So they tend to find that to achieve that sort of gender balance is the most sort of like challenging element in their recruitment process. Absolutely. And I think there's been some really great work being done by other parts of Tech UK and podcast this and how we actually achieve that gender balance. So um, definitely reference people to that. Um, I want to turn to a, another area now, if I can, and, and a bit of a key complexity for uh, foreign companies choosing between different investor subsidiary forms. Now, I find this confusing. I work within tech day in, day out, but you've got limited companies, branch, limited liability partnerships, limited partnerships. How do companies go about navigating that? Yeah, so indeed, there are many different ways on how the tech business can start their presence in the market. I would say there are sort of like five key aspects that this foreign company need to think about when they're, you know, starting in the UK. Uh, The first one is about the legal structure. So each structure has its own legal and financial implications, such as the liability, the taxations and regulatory requirement. So, for example, if a foreign fintech company want to establish in the UK, the first choice that they might go to is actually a representative office first. And that is because for a fintech firm, they may need to apply for license from the FCA before they can actually go into trading. So a rep office is a more suitable choice in that sense. The second element is thinking about the liability and risk. Again, the choice of entity that they choose will affect how the liability of the foreign company owner and the risks that are associated with doing business in the UK. So they'll need to consider the potential risk exposures and decide the level of liability that they are comfortable with. Uh, Again, to give you an example, if a tech company decides to set up a branch in the UK, it means that the foreign company is actually fully liable for their operations in the UK versus if they set up a subsidiary and then this liability will actually fall under their UK directors. The third one is taxation. So obviously different structures, there will be different sort of tax implication. Um, Again, taking the example of a limited company or subsidiary, they are subjected to corporation tax in the UK. While if they establish a branch office, they may need to comply with both the UK tax 
as well as the foreign tax obligations. So there are other aspects within the taxation space, such as transfer pricing, double taxation treaty. These are all things that tech business should take into consideration before they decide the type of entity they want to go for. And the fourth point is comes to governance and compliance. So of course, um, there are different administrative and compliance responsibility. So for foreign company who's thinking about establishing here, they clearly need to evaluate their ability in terms of how they can fulfill these requirements and to ensure that sufficient resources allocated there as well. And the last point is really about operational flexibility and expansion. So this is really thinking about the long-term objective. If they want to come and set up in the UK, what is the long-term plan? Are they going to use the UK as a launch pad as well to expand into other international markets? So this will decide the type of entity that they want to go for because different entity will have different flexibility in hiring staff, in how they can opening a bank account, entering into contracts with partners or even to raise funds. I think you hit the nail on the head there, you know, even simple things like opening bank accounts can be really difficult and, and Hawksford can help companies navigate that space when landing in the UK. Um, when you you mentioned there about the, the sort of taxation regime, do companies always understand it? You talked about national insurance before. We maybe take it for granted in the UK, understanding mm. national insurance. But you know, is it a re, is it more complex than in other countries? Perhaps the taxation scheme in the UK. I wouldn't say that it's more complex. It's just different. For a lot of foreign investors who come here, for example, uh, even for pension fund. So our pension fund here is eight percent. Uh, minimum. It can use the standard practice is 3% from employer, 5% from employee. And in many other different jurisdictions, the percentage is different. The ratio of contribution from the employer and employee are also different. So these are some of the things that uh, I think for foreign investors, when they go into a new market, they are really unfamiliar with and will need a lot of support and help. Uh couldn't agree more and, and somebody who's turning to think of their pension the older they get more often now so definitely companies need to be thinking about it as do the individuals um, and, and finally then thinking about within tech companies and the tech companies you support are there any key lessons learned in how these companies set up and operate their business affairs within the UK market that you'd want to share Definitely. I mean, we have worked with a lot of tech companies. Uh, some of them come to us is because they have established in a market and then realized that they just face like a significant number of challenges and they need help from professional services firm. But I would draw on sort of three key points that I think is really critical for tech businesses to consider. The first one is about choosing the appropriate legal entity structures that aligns with the business objective. We have seen many cases where our clients enter the UK market without carefully considering the right type of entity to set up. And later on, they actually face a lot of challenges, including opening bank account, uh, hiring staff that actually, you know, like stop them from being able to operate in this market. So knowing what is the right type of entity entity for short term as well as your long term goal. That's really important. The second point is really about 
being proactively engaging with government and be aware of all the different supports initiative that the UK government can provide. I will always tell my clients, UK is actually one of the most friendly place to do business because we are so welcoming towards uh, foreign investors that want to come in, different sort of businesses from other parts of the world that want to come here and establish. So there are actually lots of different initiatives offered by the UK government to both our UK businesses here, but as well as foreign tech companies that wants to establish here. So this includes like support in area of funding, mentoring, supporting innovations. And often for foreign tech companies that enter the UK, they somehow tend to think that, oh, you know, like whatever the UK government offers probably has nothing to do with me because I won't be entitled to go and apply for this type of incentive. And I would say this is actually a misperception because many of these incentives are actually meant for both the local company as well as foreign companies who are here in the UK. And the third point is really about prioritizing administrative and compliance responsibility. Uh, of course, I understand that when a business venture into a new market, their key focus is really about how can I grow my business in the market? And they put lots of their energy and resource focusing on that part. But I always tell my clients here, look, UK is a very open and transparent place to do business. Our regulators to look after all the companies in the UK is company house. And Company House actually has a database that's open for everybody to look at, to understand what a company is doing, and also to see a lot of their sort of compliance track record. So um, if let's say a company in the UK, you miss a deadline to submit a, a required document, for example, your year-end statements, this record is going to be shown on the Company House database that everyone can see. And often as a new business in the UK, imagine when I go out there, I try to reach out to a potential customer to sell my brand, to sell my services. The very least that this potential customer would do is probably to go to the company house first to check if I'm a legitimate business, to look at you know whether I've done all my administrative and compliance responsibility accordingly. And this is what really built your brand. So compliance is actually important because it helps to build your brand and the credibility as well. So definitely not to neglect the administrative responsibility in that sense. Is there an appeal for companies to get out of London? Are they seeing there's a difference, there's a reason to be in London, and then there's a reason to be in some of these other areas as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, actually, a lot of tech companies that we support, they are not only just in London. I think London will still remain as a very important place to do business. It's just because of you know all the international audience that you get here in London. But I have seen a lot of tech companies that actually venture beyond London as well, because each of the regions or each of the pockets across the UK, it has its own strength. And depending on the subsector of this tech company, some of our clients choose to start in Midlands. That's just because of what they offer. The ecosystem in the Midlands is very comprehensive. 
Some actually chose to go to the Northern Powerhouse re region because they feel like they can get the type of talent that they want from that particular re region more easily and probably more cost effective as well. So I would say like it's not sort of like a one size fits all approach. Um, different sort of subsector, they, they have their own niche and they will actually look beyond London. And do you think that those areas can do more to work with Hawksford and others to make sure they're championing that and, and selling the benefits not just to you but to international audiences too? Yeah, 100%. Uh, we are actually very proactive when it's come to sort of our BD engagement. We will go out there to all the UK regions, work with sort of uh, the regional promotional agency to really educate the international audience that we have the chance to engage with about what is the strengths of each of these different regions and they can how they can go about choosing where they want to set up in the UK. Absolutely, and many of those regions and those regional agencies work with Tech UK as well and we're delighted to work with them. Winnie, thank you so much for your time. I know you've been traveling and we really appreciate you're making the time to record this, to share that information, to talk about the report. Um, we'll make sure that we link it into uh, into the, the description as well, so people can find out a little bit more about doing business in the UK and the great work that Hawksford's doing as well. Winnie, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure to join you today, Matt. Thank you so much.